Hey guys, welcome back to Caverns and Comedians. We're getting close to the finale. Everything's getting super tense and serious. You can tell it's so much more serious, right? Everything has been really important and serious. If you want to see us live and in person with real meaty faces, you can go to PodCamp Toronto. It's coming up in February. We're not sure if we'll have a panel yet, but we're definitely going to be there. So keep posted on PodCamp and you might be able to meet us in person. What about my face is meaty? The, the, meat, the, meat. the meat parts. I, I, I mean, you might want to mention the, the mustache is the most important thing about the face, I think. That it hides some of it from our sight? Well, it detracts from the weird shape of the nose. And of course, as always, you can go to Caverns Pod on Twitter, cavernsandcomedians.com on the internet, rate us on Apple Podcasts. Thanks. Welcome to Caverns and Comedians, Dungeons and Dragons powered storytelling with Toronto Comedians. Last time, the party returned to Tudo. The city has changed for the worse in the year that they've been gone. The party has just entered the city and in the guise of a city guard wagon. As soon as they have gotten through the gate, one of the towers in the distance has crumbled to the ground. Oh, I hope that wasn't the tower your children were in. It's very unlikely they are not likely in the financial district. But there's a good chance. Stop. Stop bringing that up. I'm just saying the odds. Stop bringing the, like, Do you guys think that towers fall all the time in this new dystopian wasteland, or if yep. stuff is going down? All right, so where do we take this cart from here? They did say that there's a weird dome over the gnomes. A gnome dome. Yeah, but that's not... You know, I mean, I don't want to say the words, the gnomes aren't important. But, but they're not your family. Yeah, that's true. And also, like, they're not as present to what's happening right now in the middle of the city. Yes, but they are our allies. They seem to like us quite a bit, and they might be able to tell us some very interesting things. Just a tower just fell... The guards that were around you are now very confused by what happened in the distance. There is a lot of people running around talking to each other, get, trying to get information about what what is the procedure for an attack happening behind the wall. If someone's attacking the city, whether they're doing it on our side or against it, we should join them and see what's going on. I say we go to that tower. Or we could use that as a distraction to get us to something else. Is there something else we wanted to get to? Just my family, and now you've really got me thinking I might be in that tower. Well, we have no idea where to begin searching for your family, so uh, let's just cross that off the list. You guys have any uh, people on the inside? Anybody who can help you? Uh, Coney. So he's the guy with the giant death robot, right? Yes. Well, uh, yes, he's, he's one of the factions that we're interested in. He individually is a faction? Yes. Okay, um, do you have... Anybody else? Uh, the, uh, well, you got Hank's family, who is probably slaves. Um, We've got the gnomes, uh, who are in a dome. There's a there's a barkeep that's pretty nice to us. Oh, yes! All right, we could always go there, although we'll have to break the news that Agatha is long dead. I think we go to a bar. Was that an option? I, I stopped paying attention. Yes, it was. Just pretend to be Agatha when we get there. Uh, sure... Just, just look angry. Ah, no problem. Onwards! The geography of the city has changed a little bit. You would once have known your way around easily, but there are there's rubble across some streets. There are newer constructed buildings that just lie across old thoroughfares. So you have to sort of pick your way through. Most of the city is been emptied. There's you don't none of the businesses that were once lining none of the shops are really in use anymore. Uh, there's a lot of guard posts around, but they are sort of just waving you through. Like they think that if you're going towards whatever happened downtown, they want to let you go and not them. So they're not really going to stop you anywhere anymore. You managed to make your way over to the market district which looks a little boarded up and decrepit. Uh, a lot of the windows are smashed. The apothecary has been smashed and looted. Fresh fruit stalls. Uh, there's no fruit there anymore. There's just empty stalls. And you even see that Coney's magic shop 
it seems to have lost its magic. From the outside, you can see that there are clearly four windows, and you're not having trouble counting the number of windows on it anymore, and it's boarded up with a big closed sign on it. Wait, let's stop here for just a minute. I want to get the lay of the land. The beer. Beer is on our future. I guarantee it. Fuchs slips out of the cart and goes towards Coney's business. The magical field that was once around it that gave you a confused sense of its proportion seems to have dissipated. It feels like a normal building now. Hmm. Fuchs steps inside. Uh, you have to rip off the planks holding the door open and sort of bust the door down, but it doesn't seem to have any spe- specially powerful lock on it. And you are in an empty shop. There's shelves that have nothing on them, dust and cobwebs on the tables and the display cases. Behind the counter, the door that was once an entrance to an inner sanctum is just sort of hanging open, and there's an empty fireplace and an old kitchen that seems to have been disused possibly for hundreds of years. Fook steps into that back area and starts taking a look around. While Fook is inside the building, Hank looks around the outside, checking into the enchantment, trying to see if it was taken off or if it just faded over time. You can sort of make out scratch marks on the outside facade of the building where previously there had been runes that held magical powers on it and that these were runes of illusion and they have been intentionally scratched out so that the power that they held is broken. Fuku goes back out to the cart and as he's climbing in, he says, I think we overestimated Coney quite a bit. I think they were onto him. He might be in trouble. Well, he had a giant death robot, so I'm sure he could take care of himself. But what if he didn't finish it? What if he started? And now there's a giant death robot sitting around somewhere, just waiting to have us put a little key in. You hear another loud boom from the direction of the tower district. Or maybe it's attacking giant buildings right now. That's also possible, yes. Either way, I'm just going to write a message in this dust that he knows where to find us if he, and that we're back in town. Yeah, no, that's good, yeah. Let's let him know we're here, and then let's go figure out what's blowing up all them towers. Well, after we get a beer. Yahoo! Susan, you hear that? She's so excited. Oh, man, it's been so long. This is great. Uh, first, I was sad this wasn't Eberique anymore because everybody died and I was feeling kind of bad. It was my one job to save them and then also your friend died. But now that we're going to go to the... I'm fine now. I mean, if, if we go for a beer, that they're, they're really going to run out of towers. They're going through them pretty fast. So what do we need them for? I don't think I've ever used one of them. I mean, that's, com- that's a compelling argument, but... All right, fine, let's go to the, let's go to the bar. You find your way to the pennant race, and rather than appearing sort of looted and abandoned, it appears fortified. There are sort of stakes around the outside of it. The windows are boarded up, but not because they're broken, but because they are trying to seemingly keep something out. Uh, The door is a lot heavier than you recall. There are no visible windows you can't see in at all. Fook walks under the fences in the barbed wire and knocks on the door. A slot appears at the top of the the door at about eye height for an average being. Oop, down here. It closes and another one at a lower height opens up again. Hello, I'm looking for the penetrate. Fook, is that you? Uh, probably. I thought you were dead. Oh, I'm not. Sure. Are your friends with you? Well, such as they are. That's good enough for me. Why don't you guys come on inside? You might want to step back a bit. Uh, This door is pretty heavy. Ooh. This huge door falls flat with a thud. Not as though it's been knocked over, but as though it's uh, one of its, it's designed to fall to crush anything in front of it. It is about a foot thick and it is solid rock. Ooh, it's a drawbridge. And then there's another set of twin doors on the inside, big heavy oak doors that open at the middle French style. And you see the interior of the pennant race, full of people. They look both happy and worried at the same time. And you see the amazing hair of John Hortense once again. Welcome to the pennant race. Is there anything I can get for you? Yeah, no, we're just stopping in to say- Demiers! Ten beers, please. Why? Uh, who's this little one with you? This is Agata. Yeah, I'm Agata. Look, I, I've been around a few times. Uh, 
I know the deal. I know you lead dangerous lives. Just tell me, did she did she die heroically? Hard to tell. We yes. were told that she died running a library. That's unexpected. That's... <laughs> it was a dangerous library, from all accounts. Right. Well, hello there. My my name is John. I run this place. Nice to meet you. Oh, and she she ran it in the past, so don't think that it's just she was running it for less than a year. This and is she now died. more confusing in the. Yes, well... Where have you been? When have we been is more the question, I imagine. Uh, this this young lady's from the past. Uh, Snakey has already downed most of her beer, and Susan is also just lying on the floor with her head in a giant stein. I've adopted her. Are you old enough to be in here? You want to ask me that again? I'll sign a permission slip. Look, it's a joke. There's not really any law in here anymore where... Ooh. This is sort of a, a safe haven. From what I understand on my shield, we we murdered a man back there. So, Mr. Brody, I believe there's some people that you might want to meet. I Wait, how did you know his name was Brody? We've we've met before. Yeah, we've met several. He knows me. We okay. were all there. Well then. You were there. Was I? Right, but yeah, yeah so. forgetful, I forgot. <laughs> but yeah, so no, and, and, the, uh, and the word of my family? Why don't you ask them? <gasps> Are yeah, they dead? I'm great. Look, I went and found your family when things went down. I knew that you might be a target of some interest. Well, that's solved. We can leave happily now. No, no, no I'm, I'm staying. Come on, Hank. Collapsing buildings. No, no, I've got, I want to be with family. And your kids run up. So two little kids run up, uh, one dressed as a boy, one dressed as a girl. Both of them are so plain and ordinary in appearance that their faces don't hold in your memory when you look away. And following behind them is a middle-aged woman who is equally bland. Aggressively bland. Now, they're dressed as a boy and a girl, but are they a boy and a girl? It's hard to tell. A round of beers for the kids. Yes, no fluke, uh, Snaggy. This is my wife, Sarah. This is my kids, Luke and Alex. And you'll have to excuse us. Uh, He begins hugging them. And they begin hugging him. And then they begin hugging each other. And they go through every permutation of possible hugging in every possible combination why why are the children hugging each other they they were just together a moment ago anyway this was having a family's like lame glad well, i never usually had usually there's a lot more child death no oh. there isn't we're huggers we're just hugging people hank i have some terrible news Ooh, divorce Shh. i lost the insurance papers on our house we won't be able to file a claim oh so there was insurance i didn't i didn't remember that we had insurance Right. Well, it wasn't. We weren't covered for so-called acts of gods, but eminent domain should compensate us. If we had only had the insurance papers, I'm sorry. It's all right. I'm gonna become a hero, and then they'll give us as many houses as we could possibly want. Also, I want he, one he, house. He knows a spell that can locate objects. Oh yeah, I could probably find it. But first, of course, there's always something that comes before d- doing things that are important to me. No, no, this is. I just... This is the eavesdrops all over again. I wanted... Oh, I, I was look, right I about the divorce. I felt bad about this. I'm going to give you all the money that I had from my final paycheck. He gives her a small bag of all the gold that he's had on this entire quest that he's still been carrying, trying to get his paycheck home to his wife. Jeez, that's a lot of gold. It was my severance. I wanted to get it home right away, but then there was... There was some things. I'm really happy to see you. While in our current circumstances, this gift is irrelevant, I thank you for the thought. Oh, they don't, they don't use gold anymore? Uh, John sort of chimes in, yeah, we're kind of gone cashless in this area. It's a, it's a do-what-you-can-when-you-can kind of place. Ooh! <sighs> I was actually a lot of trouble to carry that whole time. Oh, by the way, let's introduce our friends. Oh, yes. Uh, this is Fook. Uh, no, he... I, I meant the dragons. Oh. The, he's... sorry? Hi, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm jealous, and you're handsome. This is Fwayne. And that's that's Bibby. Hey, I'm I'm Bibby. Well, nice to meet you, Bibby. How's it going, Bibby? It's good. It's good. It's good. This is nice. This is a nice area. Hank tries to coax everyone into hugging. Everybody sort of moves back and is creeped out by this. Like Jillison doesn't do well with touching people. She's very uncomfortable with it. And Fook is a little confused by Bibby's attention. If you touch me, I will cut your fingers off and feed them to your children. Okay, so... Fwayne is also sort of flexing and posing. He's very intimidated by Jom, who's 
handsomeness knows no bounds. And this is really making Fuane feel insecure, even though he's chosen his form. He's, in fact, doing shots on the bar now and trying to outshoot everybody around him. All right, so Fook, Snaggy, it's been great questing with you, uh, but I found my family, so I'm going to stay here and protect them now. What? Well, they'll probably die if we don't stop that whole demon thing and the giant robot thing. Yeah, you're the only one with stakes in this. Both of our families are dead. We have no Jeez, reason that's to do true. anything. Good Lord. I've already failed in the one mission I was given. What do I have to live for? And I have More an evil drinks. sorceress. I've got an evil sorceress I have to track down. I'm just going to hop in there, says John. There's probably not going to be many more drinks or anybody getting out to an evil sorceress. We've we've heard that something big is about to go down, and I think it's already started happening. No, duh. Something big going down. I'm, I'm intrigued. The council has spent the last year preparing something, building something, and we think they're, they're just about done. The fact that they were... Probably just a couple days away, and then suddenly we just got this report that there's a battle happening down there. All right, so they're building something to destroy the city. What what are they getting out of this? Well, what we've heard is that there's some massive source of power under the city, and that they seek to somehow shape it to their own nefarious ends with goals outside of the city of Tudo. This is sounding familiar. You can't really shed some light on this. We have, we have only patchy reports. What is under the city? Do you know? Yeah, no, I no, I know. I know a lot about what's under the city. I mean... Kind of a hellhole type thing? Well, there's the sewers, there's the pipes, there's the ley lines, there's the central nexus of energy. Um, Giant demon. So, giant demon. How, how sad are we going to be when we hear about this? Not very, because you'll be dead. Oh, that's quite sad. Hank, I know that you're secure with your family here, but I feel like you might be our last hope here. There were, they rounded up every other adventurer. They took everyone who could stop them. I'm, I'm just a simple sewer worker. I don't really know how to adventure. I've just been kind of winging it this whole time. I know I've done a pretty good job, but... Well... Debatable. Yes. But this, this isn't what I'm meant to do. This isn't what I'm for. I'm just a simple guy. Well, we wish you luck. Your wife... Walks up to you and in a shocking display of affection, touches your shoulder lightly. Hank, I fear that we will surely die unless something changes. You know, I just want what's best for us, and I just want a simple life. Pull yourself together. But I'm willing to Try slapping him. It tends to work. No, don't slap me. It hurts. Every time you do that, it hurts. If you pick me up, I'll slap him. No, I'll slap him. I gotta be in peak physical condition because I'm gonna actually go and do this fight, and that's what I was working my way towards, and you interrupted me. Can someone cast Mage Hand? No, I'm gonna. Okay, I'm gonna join the fight, okay? Like, I was just like going through the whole thing of like, I don't want to, I'm a reluctant hero, but okay, I'll join the fight. Well, whoop dee doo. You know, there are a bunch of people here who are willing to join the fight. Why? Maybe even I could get back in the saddle. Do you have a horse? I could get one. Did you? Don't you guys? Did you? Didn't I hear a wagon? Oh yes, yes. I suppose. Well, I suppose my God did ask me to take part in this, and actually return some of my memories, just so I would remember not to go on to other quests and actually to focus on this one. My trigger finger is a little bit itchy. I guess I could, you know, kill some people for so you're, fun you're just doing and profit this for the love of or kill, love of Okay, you know what? We all have our own reasons. You don't know me. Jillison sort of pipes in, well, we were ordered by our god to assist you, and I feel like if our god felt that you were the right people for the job, then perhaps you are the right people for the job. So, like, Hank, you're knowledgeable in the arcane arts somewhat. Fook, apparently at one point you were a great warrior. Well, still am, probably. Snakey, you have your whole life ahead of you, and sure, there's a lot behind you, but... What comes next? I think that's up to you, and I think that's something you've got to make a choice about. Probably the life of a serial killer, I'm suspecting now. I don't know, we'll see. I don't know. Whatever. As for us, we're, well, we'll probably be fine. I see us flying away at the end of this, but what are we going to fly away from? Well, our corpses, maybe. I'm still very hoping much to come back here to my family when this is over. Oh, you don't want to just put them in that cart and see if they can smuggle themselves out of the city? Oh, 
Yeah, you guys might want to snuggle yourself out of the city. Snuggle themselves out of the city? Snuggle Dude yourself out of the city. If it was as easy as snuggling, we would have done it already. No, but if you snuggle yourself in the cart and you get all really close together, you might be able to leave the city. They're really distracted by the towers falling. Now might be the time to get out of here because the blast radius, it could be big. Are you suggesting that we spend more time apart? Agreed. Well, we're, not, we're not taking you in. Well, no, I wouldn't go down there, no. I just want you to be safe. I will take the children. We shall head out into the wilderness to be preyed upon by bandits and gnolls. Good, good. I'm sure Luke's been keeping up his lessons. He knows some good spells, right? Right. You've made your choice. and Look for a big tree. We'll meet you there. Uh, John pipes in. Maybe, uh, maybe you could go to the Gnome Dome. I hear they're taking people in with good hearts. Oh, yes. I seem to remember that I've got a house there. So are you guys actually going to do this? Are we going to move on up? Well, One more round and let's go. Yes, for want of anything better to do. And Hank gives a final hug goodbye to his family, which Ugh. is just, just too long. Just too long of a hug. Everyone feels uncomfortable about it, but... Only his family is comfortable with it, but everybody else at the bar, all the refugees from the city, are looking, trying to look anywhere else but there. Just because their arms are both are all in the wrong place, like it just looks awkward for Stop everyone. Stop rubbing. It's just yeah, it's just like a big huddle of arms. Ah, doesn't that hurt? No, it's, it's nice. It snuggles. So Jom is getting on his old jousting armor. Uh, there are a few other people who they looked like they were once craftsmen, and there are some women who are holding like. They made clubs and torches, and they have hammers and sickles and all the sort of goods that your average blue-collar working person would have in this city, and they're just turning anything they can into a weapon. And they're going to follow you down. They are willing to follow you. Before we leave, does anyone have a bag of holding? No one raises God their damn hand. Fook, I know you love to poop in that thing. I did. I really did. Perhaps this is your moment to make a change and... Please just use the washroom. No, I'll give it a day. You never had before. Why would you start now? Who knows? Maybe you'll die today and you'll never have to do it again. Well, there's always a silver lining, isn't there? You know, when you die, the first thing that goes is what's inside Someone else's you. problem. Fook goes out into the streets, starts putting Steve's armor on him, and mounts up. If I'm going to my death, I'm going the, most, the way I'm most comfortable, riding atop a celestial dashand. Uh, Hank's takes out his wrench slash staff and tries to do some cool spinning motions to try to find the coolest way to hold it while moving into combat. Decides that none of them really look that cool and just sort of drags it behind him. Snakey takes one last swig and smashes the beer glass on the ground. Susan does the same thing. Ah. Okay, where are we going? That way. And they move off with their cloaks billowing behind them. And everyone else kind of like awkwardly looking at each other and then following in their wake. John unharnesses Wait, 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 wait. I believe his family kind of needs that to get the cart out of the city. There are two horses. Yes, but a cart really requires two, doesn't it? All right. I will joust from foot. (laughs) (laughs) So John is now doing his best to balance his huge lance as he walks in full armor. He's a man in his mid-50s who's quite out of shape because <laughs> he does it too. I don't think I'm going to be as effective as I hoped I would be now. But You should have thought of that <laughs> earlier. Right. And the very lightly loaded cart goes off <laughs> the dash. And Hank's family is trying to make for the Tink Tank. Seen as you get further south, closer to the Tower District, is eerie. The streets are empty. There is dust hanging everywhere. The collapse of one of the towers sent up a huge plume of dust and smoke, and it's sort of hanging, and there's almost an ashy rain falling. You might want to cover your mouths, otherwise you'll get some sort of cancer because I'm the only one immune to it. Hank just puts his shirt up over his face in a makeshift mask. Snakey does nothing. Cancer should be afraid of getting me. Jillicent is... Sort of getting antsy about it. Um, are you sure you just don't want us to, to swoop in? Because we're, we're really good at swooping and flying above all this stuff. I just feel vulnerable as one of these squishy little people. Yes, but you'd be very, very visible if you started flying in. We're waiting for like, the perfect moment to have you like transform and like scare them. Can you be invisible dragons? 
We can do a lot of things. Why don't you focus on what we can do? So that's a no? No, it's no, no. We would be invisible already. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. Why? Why can't we? <sighs> well, I don't sorry, know Sorry, you. I'm, not, I'm not trying. Well, I feel like we got to know each other a bit. That's a little rude. Well, I didn't write it down. Oh. Are we there yet? You are getting close, in fact. The bangs, that, the loud booms that you have heard off and on are getting more and more regular. Uh, you can almost hear the din of shouting and another sound that you don't really know. There's an unidentifiable sort of screeching sound. It doesn't sound demonic. It doesn't, it's not metal upon metal. There is several of these sounds that you have no real frame of reference for but they are almost above you and then behind you and then they're moving okay we could probably use some dragons now to see what's going on up in the air if it's coming from above Uh, Fwayne I choose you (laughs) so Fwayne in the middle of the street sort of morphs back into his huge dragon form and are you coming up with me am I going alone Hank hops on his back and flies up into the air. As you sort of get above the overhanging smoke clouds and out of the dust of the street level, there is a sight that you probably did not expect to see. You can see that several of the other standing towers are smoking. A lot of arrows flying up from the ground and from points on the towers, trying to hit five animals that appear to be flying around they are not the actual animals they seem metallic in appearance they are artificial and they that screeching noise is coming out of the back of them as there's smoke pluming from behind you can identify a giant flying koala a giant beaver a duck, there is a long-necked giraffe, and one that's sort of hanging back and not moving much that you could swear looked just like a giant three-toed sloth. But it's all blocky. Everything, they're all sort of blocky. The ducks, the wings aren't moving. It's just the thing, the fire coming from its back that is propelling it forward. And there are beams of energy and spells being cast out of them. Hank points towards the sloth in the back and motions for Fwayne to flank around the side, avoiding the main battle, to try to visit that one. He goes in a loping circle around, keeping his distance from this. There are large, there are explosions going on. There must be some wizards on the side of the city that is fighting this. Uh, There are explosions on the ground as, like, the duck is dropping acid out of its backside on on targets on the ground and killing them. There, The beaver one is sort of landing at the sides and seems to be chewing at the towers as though it's trying to knock them down. And the sloth is not really visibly doing all that much, but as you get a little bit closer to it, you can see that there's a bit of a, a window in its chest. Hank moves in for the look. The sloth is very slow to react, so it's not able to like move to see you. But you can see, just for a brief instant, Coney Wetbottom inside the sloth. Hank beams and waves at him as he flies by, and then as to avoid some of the other attacks, pulls on the reins that he's using to suggest the direction Swain should fly in. Meanwhile, back on the street, Fook turns to the other and says, well, I think we have to assume that Hank's dead now. Great. Yeah, it's not actually bad. Let's move on. And they continue up the street towards the noise. As you get closer and closer, there's a lot more rubble. You see as you turn around one street that gives you, it's a main main thoroughfare going down. You can see a group of guards, archers, that are pointing up trying to hit these things suddenly explode as as a huge glob of acid drops on them. Wasn't Hank on a dragon that has acid breath? Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, he. He can. He can spit acid, but I. I that wasn't us. That's not. A, that's not dragon acid. We don't Ooh. drop it. We sort of breathe it. But you're kind of immune to acid if you get hit, right? Oh, I, I'll be fine if I'm a dragon. Okay, so if acid comes at us again, turn into a dragon and kind of go over top of us, please. Uh, sure. Uh, I'd be more concerned about that one. There is 
She points up at, like, the flying koala bear. Because you're closer, the, the smoke is dissipating. You can sort of see the battle in front of you. And uh, the giant koala bot is shooting things out of its mouth that appear to be leaves. And it's enveloping people. And the people who get enveloped by it suddenly become lackadaisical. And you can see them almost falling to sleep. And they have confused looks. And these are happening like to your left and to your right. And everything is going off all at once. Well, this is just silly. Yeah. Like, are we supposed to take this seriously? I I don't. The giraffe-shaped one uses its long neck to hammer into a high-level tower floor. And suddenly there is a giant block of this tower is falling down on you. So Fook and Snakey and the dragons are able to jump out of the way and you see Jom rolling slowly and just barely missing it. But most of the people who are along for the ride to help out are crushed by this big chunk of stonework that has fallen. Oh no, all those people in the red shirts. Oh, I mean, I don't feel good about that. Yeah, well, all's fair in love and war. It's Ugh. disappointing, but we'll mourn for them later. Hmm. Or we'll forget about them entirely. More likely. Jom forces his way back up, uses the lance as a staff to help him get up, and he says, well, at least they died trying to do something. They never got a chance to actually attempt to do anything, but their hearts were in the right place. Oddly the time for a speech. And as you say that, Duckbot is going to drop another pool of acid in on a cluster of guards about 10 feet in front of you. And they are going to burn awfully. I think it's time we take to the skies. Ugh, yeah. Bobby, it's time. He doesn't respond. Bill, it's time. There's no response. He's just sort of, he's staring directly at you, but with a blank look on his a face. Bibby. Bibby. Baby. Bibby. Hey, yes. Bibby. Yeah. It's time <sighs> for... For you to turn into a dragon and for me to mount you. Okay, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, that's what I do. He uh, turns into a giant silver dragon, an ancient silver dragon once again. Jillison is getting ready to transform. So, Snakey, uh, let's just... Uh, let's just uh, yeah, well, yeah, can you just turn into a dragon and then I'll, and I'll ride you and it'll be totally... Yeah. We'll go into battle and be fine. Yeah, that's cool. That's all that's, yeah, all that's happening. That's job. all that's happening right now. Yeah, okay. But she transforms into a dragon with her copper scales and she lowers her wing to help you get on. And, and Snakey climbs on her back, along with Susan. They beat their w- mighty wings and you rise into the air. Steve, find somewhere safe to go! Jom is just surprised at what happened and you see him <laughs> down on the ground with his lance, which he sort of starts teetering over to a nest of guards and you can see him swinging it at them. Jom! Mount Steve! He's celestial! Uh, if John was trying to step onto Steve, he would just be able to like put his legs both above him and there'd still be a good foot of space. So the, you rise above an aging middle-aged knight trying to sit on a dashing. And up in the sky, there are five large robots flying around and attacking the the towers of the city and being attacked in turn. Hank is trying to land Fwayne in front of the sloth near the window so that he can try to have a conversation through the window with Coney. So he, Fwayne sort of starts hovering in front of the window and now the, the sloth's like robotic eyes are now pointing towards you. It has slowly moved its neck and is staring right at you. You can see Coney just sort of Puts his head in his hands and shakes his head as he sees who's on the back of this dragon. Hank is making the motion to roll down the window. Coney <laughs> uh, is like shaking his head, d- pointing at his ears as though he doesn't hear you. Roll it down. Roll down the window. He, like the window starts rolling. Down. What? Do you want me to roll down the window? Yeah. What are you doing there? Oh, we, we thought we'd help with stopping the evil demon. We brought dragons. So you're going to join me and destroy the power base that has oppressed so many for so long? As long as they're still doing the demon thing. Well, I seek to prevent that. And uh, could you 
maybe pull your troops into a little less of we've got some friends that are also helping us and you seem to be uh dropping acid on a bunch of them just maybe like um maybe like just get a bit of rain on it you know like coordinate it a little better just get it more focused do you presume to order me I'm just giving some helpful suggestions. Bibby and Fook rise up behind Hank and say, uh, there's a lot of casualties happening. Uh, can we mitigate that? That's what I'm trying to do right now. I'm talking to Conley. I'm trying to mitigate. Yes, maybe ease back. Once there is surrender, I shall ease back. Uh, well, who are we talking to about that? Yeah, how would they surrender at this point? Well, they would stop fighting. Well, how would, how would you notice? You just keep on knocking down whole towers at once. Should I go ask? I'll just go is, over is and ask. Is someone we could ask? We could go ask. I'm sorry. We were, we've, I felt like we solved this previously. I'm in it for the destruction. Yes, but does it have to be everyone? Everyone in this area, yes. All right. Uh, just just hold that thought for a just, second. Oh, just, I, I have a side question, too. So I noticed that the sloth isn't moving that much. Is this like the control robot then? And while Hank is distracting him, Fook disappears in a silvery mist and reappears in the control room of the sloth. You are ensnared by the weird spell. Fook, once he lands inside the control room, immediately his mind is warped, and he begins to feel the age, feel every year and every moment he's lived as his body feels like it's decomposing around him. Fook suddenly feels every bit of his 1900 years and suddenly he doesn't want to attack Coney. He's suddenly terrified of Coney and terrified that Coney might make him feel even older. But he's also a tinkerer and a gnome and he's not afraid of control panels. He swings his axe. When Fook hits the control panel, arcs of what look like lightning electricity come out and use his axe as a lightning rod and it courses through him, shocking him. Both Fook and Coney are thrown back from the control panel as a crack of thunder emanates from Fook's axe. The explosion within the control panel has attracted the attention of the other flying robots. Snakey on the back of Jillicent uh, flies at a distance from the robots trying to see what it is they're aiming for. Robots have been attacking the towers. Uh, the beaver one has taken down one tower, and there's another tower that looks like it's about to topple over. But you can sort of tell that they are moving towards the center of the tower district, that they are fighting a battle to get to something. Uh, there's a bit more resistance, and as they take out one area, they swooped around the air. They are getting closer and closer to the center. That at the center is a large... Uh, this tower is multiple towers. It's the, it's a very large building at the center that would be known to the others as the mayor's office. That's a big building. Did you did you want to go through that? Did you want to go over there, or do we want to go back to your friends by the sloth thing? No, let's go over there. All right. Jillicent swoops down through. There are ballistas now shooting huge bolts, and she's able to sort of swoop around it. You come to this central building that has not been attacked yet, and there are dozens of guards on foot in the courtyard, and there are what looks to appear to be wizards on the parapets of the towers, and there's a glow coming out of the windows on the inside of it. There's something, a pulsating glow on the inside, and there's a feeling in the air that is both dreadful and familiar. Hmm. Something is reminding me of home. Knowles? Jillison, can you fly a little bit closer to the building? Uh, I could try. It looks a little dangerous, but I'll do it. Uh, she swoops down. Two fireballs fly past her, but she's able to dodge around them. <laughs> nice one. Snakey at this closer angle um, peers through the window uh, at the glowing you can't really see much inside. Uh, there's really just the same... There's just a pulsing light coming out. You can't really see what's causing it because of the brightness of the light. But it is of a... There's a quality to it 
there's the feeling in the air that reminds you exactly of when the demon came out of the ground in your hometown of Eberique and destroyed everything. Of that moment when there was the great explosion and you fled. Oh, fuck. Snakey tugs on Jillison's rein, suggesting they go back towards uh, Hank and Fook. Let's go back. We got to tell those guys. Sure, sure. Let's just get out of here. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. It, it's cool with you. It's cool with me. We'll yeah. just, just fly back. Well, Is it fine. weird that I kind of like having reins? I can't deal with this. Uh, sorry, sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I, just, I just thought it would be weird if I didn't. Uh, hey, let's go back. Snakey and Jillison fly back to the, the parley that's now being held as Fwayne and Bibby now have a bunch of these robots are floating behind them. Hank tries to see if each of the robots are independently controlled. You can't tell that from anything that any of the behaviors. Uh, y'all, there are what appears to be windows, much like the one on the sloth, but you can't see inside those from where you are. Flame, take me to the flying koala. I think we can take each of these robots back for ourselves. He sort of veers toward that. There's a one of the leaves is now sort of slowly poking out of the koala's mouth as though it's ready to fire. And as you get in closer, you can see that there is someone inside that. As soon as Hank sees them, he disappears, casting Dimension Door, and it reappears inside the control room, directly behind the pilot. The pilot is a member of Coney's A-Team, one of those really high-level adventurers that you ran into previously. Uh, She turns around and has a flaming sword in her hand. What are you doing here? You're attacking the wrong spot. There's more stuff going on over there. I am not going to listen to a little trumped-up ant like you. I am in this to win this. I could end you in a second. Why don't you just skedaddle on out of here? All right, this is rude. I should... We should offer to shake hands. We're meeting for the first time in a long time. Don't you come close to me. Hank casts Bigby's hand, which creates a giant hand of force, and it just slides, pushing her against the window, trying to push her out of the robot. This incredibly powerful, probably very, very useful potential ally is pushed out the window and plummets directly to the ground. This fighter, not having any kind of feather fall or other slow fall powers, splats on the ground below. And Hank sits down at the controls and tries to figure them out. Uh, is, the koala begins to descend as there's no one controlling it. It is, it's crashing. One of these has got to be uh, the flying button. Hank manages to find an on button, an off button, probably. Uh, there's a stick that probably controls the rudder. Uh, and there's a button that says combine. Hank slams his fist down on the combined button. The koala jars as it turns. It is suddenly making a beeline for the what appears to be the right shoulder of the sloth. And you feel it jar as it starts locking into position. And the, the chunks of this robot are changing and turning from a koala into an arm. Hey, everybody. I'm the right-hand man. And in the control panel of the sloth... Coney is starting to lose it as one of his important control panels is sparking up and has been mostly destroyed by Fook, who is on the ground about 10 feet away from it. What have you done to my... I worked so hard on this. This, is, this, was, this was the point of everything to create this. There were too many innocents in effect here. He is going to cast imprisonment upon you. So Fook finds himself in an iron cage, but it is not actual iron. It is a magical projection that appears to be iron, and it is suspended over nothing. He is nowhere. As he looks around, it is gray in every direction, but not cloud. It is just gray. It appears that the world around him is static. All right, Fook. For the first time, you're going to actually have to remember things. Something's got to be important to this battle. Um, each of those each of those things has to be based around one of those magical items that we found, and if we remove those, it should disable them. And back in the real world, uh, Snakey and Mil- Jillicent have returned to the area. Hank has lodged, is one of now the arm of a Voltron that is 
not fully going through and the other animal the other animal bots are sort of hovering around you still but they've gotten in much closer bibby is floating is sort of he is sort of flying back and forth going up to people he's looking for fook because he now doesn't know what to do he's not really acting on his own initiative here and snaky is behind the duck beaver and giraffe bots Snakey and Jillison are flying as fast as they can towards sloth and koala bots that are now joined. All right, so you're going to have to fly between the other bots, and uh, you have you had a, uh, a magical item that makes it easy for you to fly a dragon, sort of to pilot a dragon, essentially. So they are going to try to attack you as you get through. Beaver is going to try to bite at Jillison's wing. The duck is going to try to shoot acid at your face, and the giraffe is going to try to use its long neck to hammer down on you. Jillison, just trust me, okay? The beaver tries to chomp down on Jillison's wing, but she manages to pull it out of the way just at the last second. The duck shoots a glob of acid, but it flies past you and hits one of the buildings and starts eating away at the wall. And the giraffe, its long neck comes down, but you are already past it. Ah! Uh, uh, uh. Uh, uh, Yahoo! Oh, wow, that was a that was a really close call there. <laughs> ha, yes, I love danger. And Jillicent lands on the joint between the koala arm bot and the sloth slash chest bot. Fook, Hank. Yeah, no, I'm here. What's up? Okay, uh, uh Fook, you're not gonna remember this, but um, Fook's not here. What? Where's Fook? Uh, Meanwhile, in the gray nothingness. Um, there was something about a barbarian who carried around a skull. Is that relevant? And back on the arm. I don't, I don't know. He disappeared at one point. I think Coney did a thing. Where were you watching him? Ugh. <sighs> I was taking over the robot. Look, I found what I think must be their like city hall or something, and it's full of this like glowing light. And then I had this memory from back in time, like my time. Remember when the Knowles were trying to summon that? that thing yeah no i did not like that thing that's why i'm trying to get this robot put together because then we can fight it right head on hank searches around the control panel to try to find a microphone or a headset or something to communicate the headset was on the head of the person you pushed out hank sees where it would have plugged into and just sticks his finger in there and tries to yell to coney coney we gotta combine the robot the monster's coming Coney sticks his head out of this window because he can hear you and it's not coming through the intercom. <laughs> Why don't you get out of my robot? What happened to my what happened to my fighter? I'm in here now. This is my robot now. I don't think you're qualified to pilot that. I can press buttons as easy as anyone else. I regret ever having met you. And he presses the merge button that has called the or is calling the other robots to merge with him and the the duck uh, webbed feet are now supporting the left, what is the left leg of this robot. And the giraffe, its long neck is now the right leg. And the beaver, its flat tail turns itself into a flat hand and is now the left arm. And the head of the sloth turns around and there is now a much sterner robotic face, very similar to Coney's own face, as the various moving parts of this interconnected robot form into a humanoid shape and stand taller than the tallest tower. Now, to City Hall. Straight to City Hall. I'm sorry, I don't believe the orders come from the right arm. Jillison, call your dragons. We'll follow them in. All right, uh, so they'll, they'll be my wingman. <laughs> get it? We're all... all yeah, literally, creatures. get it. I know Stupid, stupid, stupid. Uh, the dragons form it, come into formation, basically, with Jillicent and Snakey at the head. Coney summons the cage back into this reality, and he turns to look at Fook. Have you learned your lesson now? Yes, I did. And he raises his axe again to attack the control panel. But he's knocked <laughs> off balance as the right arm of the robot lurches forward, trying to move towards City Hall. <laughs> Fook's axe, he brings it back, and it goes flying behind him and lodges itself into the back of this room that they're in. But it hits the door that leads to the washroom, which is now inaccessible because you broke the handle. 
Ah, so we'll both be uncomfortable. This couldn't have happened at a worse time. Well, I just have to die holding it. And the giant death homunculus, combined at last, begins to walk, thudding, crushing the metal roads beneath it. Any small wagons that are left, the small single-story buildings on corners are crushed beneath its feet. And it lumbers towards the central tower, the mayor's house. And the right arm jerks in a discontrolled fashion. It is very off balance, as everybody else has had a lot of training how to work this in conjunction. They've been through the simulator many times. I think I've almost got this figured out. And above them, three ancient dragons fly, and they can you converge upon the mayor's central dwelling. And there are dozens of guards on the ground, and there are wizards up in the parapets and they've started to throw their fireballs you can see the magic building within them as they prepare to attack you and then a sound so loud it drowns out your hearing there is silence for just a moment as the building is thrown up out of the ground as though a volcano was exploding and once again you see an abyss in the ground that light that you've seen before And this time, a hand is reaching out of it. And it's pulling itself out of the pit. This has been Caverns and Comedians, Dungeons and Dragons-powered storytelling with Toronto Comedians. Starring Scott Thrower as Boop the Paladin, Lee Cameron as Snakey the Ranger, Maddox Campbell as Hank the Wizard, and Kyle Scott as the Dungeon Master. This has been a Kicks and Giggles production created by Kyle Scott and Maddox Campbell with editing by Maddox Campbell, themed by Derek Baldwin, and engineered by Andrea Miller. Find out more at cavernsandcomedians.com and don't forget to like, rate, and share. Thanks for listening. You don't want to fight the Voltron. (coughs) No. Once again, if you introduce something cool that is piloted, we will steal it.